Good, thank you. Woo, I hope I'm able. Mm. I am really pretty marinated myself right now. So, wow. I went in to get the girls, the, not girls, but the prayer people to pray for me this morning. You know, there's a people that pray in this room back here, and whew, I got blasted. I thought, I don't know if that was a, that might have been a mistake. <laughs> So I'm glad to be here with you this morning to share. Um, So good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? I love his presence, and I was raised by parents that love his presence. And one time my mother, who um, she was losing her mind because she had Alzheimer's, but she still would always tap in to the presence of the Lord no matter what. And she knew she'd be the first one in the room to know the Holy Spirit was moving. I took her to a prayer meeting one time. You know, we pray through themes. And she was just crashing the prayer meeting, just cutting in on other things. And I thought, oh, gosh, i got to get her out of here. So I said, Mom, we got to go. She said, what for? I said, i got to go somewhere. She said, leave me here. <laughs> it didn't work. She just loved the presence of the Lord. So it is good, isn't it, to be in his house and be together and bring all this anointing together that we all carry. And it's really what we do. We come and we worship and put our eyes on Jesus. And there's nothing like him. There's nothing like him. So, but I did want to just share with you some things that the Lord's really been doing in my life for the last, actually, it started a couple years ago. And I think I'm coming through the rabbit hole now, trying to figure it all out, but it's been awesome, and I feel like I've been on the road to Emmaus, and um, it's just, it's pretty amazing, you know, on the road to Emmaus, the disciples were walking down the road, and Jesus had been crucified, they'd heard that he'd been resurrected, and they were just scratching their heads, and it was just one of those times where a huge shift was happening, and suddenly Jesus appears to them. He's walking alongside of me. Doesn't they don't recognize him? And he begins to open the scripture to them, and he reveals himself from Genesis all the way through to the present time. Isn't that amazing? He just goes through and reveals who he is. And I just think that's really where I am right now. I feel like the Lord is revealing to me who he is from the beginning. And to the very end, I feel like that thing's really coming to light. In the beginning, you were singing. In the end, you will still be singing over me. And that's really his heart that he's really trying to bring forth to the church in this time. That he really is a loving father who just wants his children home. That's really where we are as a church. Okay, I'm going to have to get a Kleenex. There's something about up here today. Woo! Mm. So, anyway, I just want to start with saying this to you that really I think what happened on that road to Emmaus is, you know, Jesus revealed really the Bible. And it really is the story of redemption of mankind. It's the story of a father who lost his children. And he has spent all of this time getting us back to his heart and restored to who we really are. And so the Bible really is the story of redemption. If, you can, if we can see it that way, it is, it's pretty amazing to look at it. And, um, and I just want you to sit back, for, sit back for a minute. And I want to read some, some scriptures to you from Genesis. And I just want you to marinate in these. I'm just going to read them out. Genesis 1.26 says, Let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make mankind in our image after our likeness and let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the beast, and over the earth and everything that creeps upon the earth. I'm just skipping around. So God created man in his image. And in the image and likeness of God, he created him male and female. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not embarrassed or ashamed in each other's presence or in the Father's presence or in God 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's presence. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, using all of its vast resources in the service of God and man. And God saw everything that he made, and it was good. It was suitable. It was good. It was pleasant. And then this is what happens. Genesis 2-3. Man is in the garden, and he gets visited by a serpent. And this is what God says to Eve. God knows the day that you eat of the fruit of the knowledge of truth, of good and evil. Your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. God had given them one commandment, not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the serpent, being so cunning as he was, knew that if he could talk man out of who he was, he had him. So the whole thing was, is from the beginning, we were already like God. We were made in his image. But he talked Adam and Eve, and we're not going to go down the trail. It was a woman. It was this and that. But, and so they eat of the tree, and that was tragedy. There was tragedy in the garden because not only did we lose who our identity was, we lost our relationship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit as it was originally what we were originally designed to be. So this has happened. And they hear God come walking in the garden. They hear him. Something they were used to hearing. They could hear him walk in the garden. And God said, Adam, where are you? Where are you? And they were hiding. They were naked and they were afraid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Who told you that? He said, have you eaten from the tree? Have you been taught out of who you are? My son and my daughter. Eve said, the serpent, he beguiled me. He tricked me. So here we are, tragedy in the garden. And in God's love and mercy for his creation that he so longed for to have us in his bosom. Adam and Eve had to be banished from the garden. At least they would eat from the tree of life and forever be held in the state they were in. In darkened conscience, they would forever been in that place. It was not God angry. It was God and his love. It says, in, it says this from the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain. There was a plan in place before it ever happened. And I don't know that we'll ever under, really understand that. But what I do know is that we were made for him. We were designed by him. We were made in his likeness and his image. That's who we are. It's who we're meant to be. We were made for the garden to be in intimate relationship with him intimacy, walking with him in the cool of the day. And we lost it. We lost relationship, and we lost identity. So, but this is the cool thing. When Eve said that the serpent has beguiled me, do you know what God said to the serpent? He curses the serpent, and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will bruise and tread upon your head underfoot, and you will lie in wait and bruise his heel. And I think this is so awesome because at Calvary, that cross went down into 
this hill of skull, the skull, it's called the skull. It went down and it crushed Satan's head. The very thing. And then in crucifixion, Jesus is, that's at the heel bruises. A lot of people don't really know this, but this is in the book of Genesis, the cross. He already had a plan. Isn't that amazing to restore us? So, whoo, it's so good. So that's really exciting to me because I think if we can see our origin, our beginning, um, the Lord's really been speaking to me a lot about my beginning um, and my origin. And I really wasn't sure what he was doing. You know, I went to my 40th high school reunion this year. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to go. I'd only gone to the 10th one. And, I, you know, we're busy. And usually I just end up going, I just can't do it. So, But this year I knew he wanted me to go. There was something about going there that he wanted me to reconnect with me. You know, I'm still that girl in high school that graduated in 1977. And all those relationships that I developed as a kid, went through school with, you know, it was important to the Lord because I think the Lord really wants his people to know who they are, come to their authentic selves, and live in that and know that we're sons and daughters and live in relationship with him. I believe that is the full gospel. It's the gospel in whole. It's really why Jesus came is to restore us back to original, to our origin, to our place that he created for us. He he didn't fall apart when that happened. He had a plan. And so here I'm at my high school reunion, and it's just, it's just glorious. You know, it's the oddest thing because I end up there. We had a graduating class of 650 people. It was four small towns in one graduating class. And I ended up there, and, and it was funny. There were, only, there were only about 10 white people there. Out of about 200, and everybody else was African-Americans. They were all my classmates that I loved dearly. I was a cheerleader, cheered for a lot of these guys. The football team was all there. And Mike Quick was there from the Philadelphia Eagles. He graduated in our class. And, um, you know, just it, it was just amazing. I don't know why, but I just stood there and was knew that was me. That was God's way. It was my part of who God didn't ever want me to lose that. And um, so, I think God's wanting to take his people back. He doesn't want us to lose ourselves. He wants us to know our origin, where we came from. It's important to him because he's a father. And he never wanted us to lose our relationship with him. And he's gone to a great price of sending his son to make sure that happens. So I just want to tell you really quick some journey, and I don't have a lot of time because I want to get to a couple of things. I'm like Byron. There's some things that are really key in this message. I feel like the Lord wants to unfold for us. But broke my shoulder. I'm going to back up and just give you a little bit of journey now. I broke my shoulder of how I'm getting to this place, and I'm in one of the most wonderful places right now I've been at in years with the Lord. And I'm so happy about it. And I want to give it to you. So, <laughs> so when I broke, my sh- I broke my shoulder two and a half years ago on a hoverboard. My son-in-law brought one home. And um, just in the kitchen, I, I skated. I was good at balance and did fine on the hoverboard. But as soon as I tried to step off of it, I did not have the directions for exiting that thing. Did not realize when you shift your weight forward to step off, the thing powers up. And wham, I went into my hardwood floors, barely missed granite on both sides with my head. My elbow hit, my shoulder broke, and it was awful. It was like unbelievable pain, worse than childbirth could ever be. And I was, it was just terrible. Ended up, go to the hospital, fractured shoulder, thinking, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. I'll be over it in a couple of weeks. I'll be back jogging and exercising and doing, oh, no. Oh, no. That took a whole year. Whole year of recovery. Whole year. Couldn't do anything. Couldn't play the guitar. Couldn't lift my arms to worship. Couldn't, you just couldn't cook. I couldn't play my guitar. It was rough. It was really, really rough. But, 
you know, it's amazing that um, in the midst of it, the Lord began to speak to me about a, a theme, and it was mercy. And out of that whole mercy revelation, I, how it happened was is I'd gone to the ER on, um, I think it was Friday night when that happened, and Monday, I didn't get to see the doctor till Monday. So I went over to the orthopedic doctor on Monday, and I'm sitting in the waiting room, and I'm hurting in a sling, and all these people are coming in hurt. And my heart suddenly is just hurting for them because suddenly I know what they feel like. And I'm just like, just want to just go make it all right. And I realized the Lord began unfolding this message to me about mercy, the mercy of God. And I could feel mercy, the merciful heart of God toward the broken, like I never had, and even my own need. And so it was pretty powerful. Um, and it just shifted a whole thing in me. And, and I'm just thankful for that because I feel like so much a part of not really knowing the merciful heart of God is, I'll tell you what mercy does. When you know the mercy of God in your life, that you are not getting what you deserve. It has, his goodness has nothing to do with yourself. He's just giving you mercy because he loves you. What that does is it takes an axe and it cuts down to the root of a religious spirit. It goes to the very axe and it, cho- it chops it down because mercy and religion, which is nothing more than pride, and I can do this myself, you know, performance, and I can do this myself. It chops it down because I tell you, I love this scripture that um, this is one of the things that really spoke to me was... Uh, where, where Paul said this in 1 Timothy 1.15. If you want to put, did I give you that one? Yeah. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And I love this version of it. It says this, that he was public sinner number one of someone who could have never, had never made it apart from sheer mercy. And so that's all of us. So what that kind of does is kind of puts you on level playing ground with everyone. And I just loved, there was just something in me that shifted pretty big. And so I, you know, just really, you know, sought after the Lord about that mercy thing. And um, God is described, and here's, here's why it was important. Because we so many times are operating in a wrong view of God. And anytime we're in a wrong view of God, we can never really be in a right relationship with him. And we, we can certainly never know our identity because we are, we're just operating in this wrong view. If it takes me performing and doing stuff to make God happy, then I'm not going to be very... If I don't even do good with relationships like that anyway. Somebody I've got to try to make happy all the time. I don't do good. With, after a while, I'm going to kind of distance myself. And that's what we do because we don't think we can make God happy. We'll begin distancing ourselves. But this is really the truth about God and his mercy, that God is described as, a, as merciful more than any other apt- attribute in Scripture. He's known for keeping mercy for a thousand generations. He delights in showing mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What does the Lord require of us but to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God? He has a reputation. David knew he had a reputation for being merciful. And so this all began to shift something in me about my you know, my view of God, and it's been awesome. I, it's just been huge, and it's, I think, really has led me. It's just like the, the grace message for me led me into a whole other realm of really opening up my relationship with God that began to flower and bloom. I believe wherever there's a revelation of mercy and grace in people's life, they begin to follow the Lord with their whole heart because they know it's not up to them. They can't do it. You know, I'm public center number one apart from his grace. Um, all of that. So it's so wonderful to start getting that view of God right because then you just get excited. You can just follow me as a loving heavenly father. And God is out to get our view of him corrected. It's, it's, it's really important because we do not realize how steeped in religion we are. And so what this is a, where mercy led me is one day, and I've shared this before, one day, I realized that I had a program running underneath me 
was inside of me that was wearing me down because I was trying to perform. And this was it. Because we had been in revival for six years. And it had begun to ebb. I had this thing going where I felt like I had to keep it going. Keep it going. Make it happen. Keep it going. Make it happen. And one day I woke up and said to myself, Lord, I think I'm done. I have to let go of the past season. And when I did, it was really interesting. All of a sudden, this freedom flooded me. And it it was incredible. I mean, I was like, oh, that feels really good. I think I'm going to let go of some other things. You know, I think this is the way this is meant to be is letting go and letting God and let grace do the work. A slogan I have lived on but did not realize that us wonderful, charismatic, Pentecostal Christians who think we are not religious begin operating in our own form of religion that becomes an operating program that gets us back into self, back into performance, trying to make something happen. And that is not the way we were created. We were created to live out of relationship. And that's the thing that God has been unveiling to me is Becky. This running thing of trying to be close to the Lord, trying to get near to the Lord, doesn't work. It'll wear us out. It wears us out. Guys, listen. That scripture that says, come unto me, all you are weary, heavy laden, and come unto me. My yoke is easy. And so he says, in the message, it says, don't you just get worn out, burned out of religion? It says that in the message. I love it. Yes, I do. I get tired. And I just think one thing I'm excited about right now is... I feel like, oh, you're giving me a key of that we are already in relationship. We're already there. And for me to keep hammering at trying to get to something that I'm already there, and the reason I'm already there is because Christ lives in me. We are one. We are joined. We're together already. I need to start having a correct view that it doesn't take me having to do something to be close to God. I'm, I have him. I have the Holy Ghost living within me. I have. There's been a big price so that that Holy Spirit could be poured out and be brought back in to union with Christ, to be in Christ. He's in me. I'm in him. We're together. We're already there. So that letting go was pretty, pretty huge. But I want to give you um, a scripture on that. I want to give you a few scriptures about First of all, I'm going to back up because I want to talk about union in just a minute, being in him. It's really key to see, you know, we're being, this is the two things I think we're we're being restored. I want to tell you what I want to talk about in 20 minutes. We're being restored to relationship, our true relationship with the Lord. We're being restored in our identity of knowing that we're sons and daughters. And we're being restored to the full gospel. Because the full gospel is relationship and identity. It's not just getting our sins forgiven. It is really not. The church has taught, really, this lie. For, it's not just It's not a lie. It's just not the full truth. The full truth is this. The sin issue was just getting the separation out of the way. But the church for years has been just to get to heaven. We're just getting our sins forgiven and we're in the sweet by and by. That is just not true. We really have been given such a great gift from what happened from the tragedy of the fall. When Jesus came, he ransomed us. I thought the Lord gave me that word in worship this morning. And Jacob starts, pulls up that verse. He has ransomed us from the fall. And what we fell from was relationship and identity. And and those two things, when we get that worked out, that the sin issue was just the byproduct of getting it out of way, ransomed from ourself, from self-effort, from performance, getting that all out of the way because what Christ did is, is that he did it all. 
He took it all. He didn't only just take our sin. He gave us the gift of grace, the Holy Spirit of living his life through us. And that is the gospel. And that this all packaged up and all intertwined is being restored back to the full gospel. Back in the Jesus movement and the early days in the 70s, it was the full gospel men's. And that was huge about the full gospel and what they were saying because at that point, that was a revival of saying that the Holy Spirit was a part of the plan. These were businessmen that were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they could see that there was more. And every revival brings us to a place where we're seeing more and more and more. And I believe the revival that God had us in, that we were so trying to hold on to and stay back there, we didn't realize that he was trying to take us to something. It was from point A really to point Z. And he was trying to do it quick. But we, in our religion, try to hold on to things because we think the thing is the thing. But let me tell you what the thing is. It's Jesus. It was Jesus from the beginning in the book of Genesis, and it'll be Jesus in the book of Revelation because he's our all in all. He did it. He came and he ransomed us from the fall. He ransomed us from the tragedy, from the tragedy that happened. Can I hear an amen? Thank you, Lord. So good. Second Corinthians 11.3, Paul said this. He said this, I'm fearful, least that even as the serpent beguiled Eve. He's talking to the church. He's not talking to lost people. That even as the serpent beguiled Eve... He's beguiled you. And what he is talking about, he says, this you are beginning to be seduced from the wholehearted and severe, I mean severe, it is severe, (laughs) sincere devotion to Christ. Another verse that goes with that is what you began, I'm, I'm afraid you've been bewitched. What you began in the spirit, you're now trying to do on your own in the flesh. And I'm just trying to say to you today, there's a major religious spirit that operates on performance. And the enemy is always trying to take us there. And if it's not just trying to be good, he'll do it in another way. We try to substitute anything we can substitute for the simple gospel that Jesus has ransomed us back to our true identities, that we are sons and daughters. We have a Father in heaven who loves us. We have, you know, let us make man in our image. Do you know that is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Let us make man in our image. We're brought back into the full fellowship of what is happening there. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Spirit. There's a swirl of love in that place. And through the blood of Jesus, we have been connected right back in. This is glorious. And do you know what? That's glory. When when Moses saw God face to face, it was glory. You know, and it says about Jesus when he appeared on the beginning, There was God. He was with God. You know that word with is face to face. So what he's done is he's brought us back face to face. We're back in there. We're blood bought. We are blood bought to go right back into that place. And I'm so excited because I feel worn out on so many things that I feel like I have tried to do. To be near the Lord. And it just doesn't work. What what works is knowing who you are and what he's done. Then knowing that you're already in there. We're already done. And so I want to give you some some um, scriptures about being. This is 1 Corinthians 3, 21 and 23. I love this. This is really addresses what I'm talking about. So don't boast about following a particular human leader, for everything belongs to you. It goes, 
whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life and death or the present and the future, everything belongs to you. And you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. And this interpretation here says, everything belongs to you and you are joined to the Messiah who is joined to God. So let me just say this. Jesus came to reveal the Father. That's what he said. I came to reveal him. I came to show you what he is like. And he did it because there are the three or one. So he came to bring us in back into that place where we know the Father. We're, we're no longer abandoned from our garden. We're back in the garden again. We can hear him walking in the cool of the day. Everything's back about relationship. And I don't obey because I'm supposed to. I obey because I'm in relationship because I, I'm in love, because I'm, I've been brought up into a swirl of love that exists in the Godhead, that in his heart, he loved enough to bring, to create us sons and daughters. He wanted sons and daughters that he would bring right up into the mist and be a part. We're all a part. And I love that song we did a couple of weeks ago. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by him. This is how I fight my battles. Isn't that great? It's, it is how we fight our battles. Here's another one, John 4, 13. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. His spirit is proof that in Christ we have it all. We're already there. We're in him. How can you get any? He's restored it all. He's, he's done it through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the spirit of adoption operating in us, telling us, you're a son, you're a daughter. Don't get beguiled. Don't listen to that voice. Don't start performing to try to get there. It's already done. Just walk in. It's already done. Just walk in. It's a free gift. It's a free gift of God. Salvation's a free gift. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. We just walk in. We walk in, and when we walk in and we say, Yes, Lord, I believe to him who believed, even on his name, he gave the right to become sons and daughters. That word, mm, this is so good, isn't it? I hope y'all are getting this. Because this is important. Because I'm going to tell you something. We got a world out there that we need to go get. There are lost sons and daughters out there. They're in lostness. And this message is for them too. It applies to them. All it takes is somebody saying, hey, come on. Come on. I want to read you something. Mm. That that verse to go. This is um, John one one. Do you have that up there? Did I give you that one, John one one? Okay, yeah. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word, and the Word, yeah, was with God. So I want to give you this translation. I love this. It says to go back to the very beginning is to find the Word already present there. Isn't that something? He's there in that garden, face to face with God. Isn't that something? And so he's, this is the thing. Christ really did. Jesus, he came to bring us back there. The cross was brutal. 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 We have no idea how brutal the cross was. A huge price has been paid. But the, but the enemy has blinded us and beguiled us and had us still in this operating system where we're always trying to find this way to get to God. Something that's bigger, something that's greater, something that's better. When we're already there. We're, always, we're already in the midst of the Godhead who's brought us near by the blood. Not by bulls, not by goats, but by the blood of the lamb. We're already there. He's made the way. And I love this is a quote by Tim Keller. 
um, wonderful Presbyterian man. I love this. He says, God became human. Jesus, God, he became human. He's not only the God on the other side of the chasm. He is the bridge over the gap. Thus, he is the mediator of a new relationship with God that cannot fail because it is based on his faithfulness, not ours. So I just say amen to that. So I do want to say this, that identity, who we are in Christ, is so tangled up in relationship. You cannot, you can't, you, they're just intertwined. It's interesting because we really can't relate to God face to face, know that we're face to face until we're settled in the fact that he's bought it for us back to the garden. It's done. We're in. Can you say I'm in? I'm in. There's nothing else left to do. I'm in. He's done it. And so, and the thing I love about that is it just really starts peeling off a bunch of religion off of us because you stop all this performance stuff trying to get somewhere. So, um, I want to talk about this. To trying to think. Okay. I'm going to give you this John 1.12 in the mirror version. Do you have that up? Did I give you that in the mirror version? Yes. This is really good. Everyone who realizes their association in him, convinced that he is their original life and that his name defines them, God gives the assurance that they are indeed his offspring. Begotten of him, he sanctions the legitimacy of their sonship. Isn't that amazing? I love that one. It's so good. Um, so I'm excited because I want to give you this. There's a couple of things I want to finish up with quick. So what happened to me is when I was able to let go of the pressure of trying to make things happen, I got a real new level of freedom and all this began. I mean, it's like there was this revelation being held back. And that's what one thing I know, I'm going to tell you, I had stopped dreaming. I was a dreamer. I was dreamed and had so much prophetic that went on during the years that I was really operating in pure grace. And But this subtle pressure, the beguilement began to perform. And all that prophetic, all those dreams just start. I mean, it was rare for me to dream. You know what's happening to me now? Dreaming again. Just all that revelation just un, oh, it was like a it was like a dam broke, so um, so here's what happened to me is this, and I want to this is really important. I shared this at the women's retreat, and that really, what was happening is is God really was trying to move us on out of where we had been of, from the focus being on revival to what He actually instituted in us through revival. And it was interesting because uh, there was a, one of the prophetic girls there, and some of you women know this. I call this the stitch um, because she gave me a word. She had just been with John and Carol Arnott, who were uh, over, you know, the Toronto blessing was all about the Father's heart. That's what the Lord unveiled through that whole revival that were sons and daughters, spirit of adoption. It was powerful. And so this girl came up after she says, Becky, this is just, this is just powerful. She's, you know, because here's what's happening is with this revelation, I now have evangelism burning in me. Because I believe we've, the church has been like just so hung up on what's going on in meetings that we don't see that we have a world out there that we've separated ourselves from that needs us. And that we're all ministers of the gospel. Every single one. Listen, there are people that need to be here and, and sow in the church so that we can come together and be equipped, but it's to go out. The people in the ministry are for the equipping of the saints to go out. That's really the way this was meant to be. But in the past year, somehow we've fallen in this trap that everything needs to happen here. But, yeah, we want, we want it all. But it's unto. There is a mission field some are called to go. Some are called to remain. But mostly, go. And we have focused so much on the foreign mission field. Okay? 
that we've not, we've, we've kind of stumped people. Because you either got to work in the church or you got to go to the foreign mission field. But the truth is, I'm going to say this to you, it's so good. God said in the beginning to multiply. He blessed and said multiply. So here's all it is. I wore this today because I had a dream years ago. And in the dream, I was in an auditorium, and I, it, I was at a wedding, and this wedding party came out. And the wedding party was all in this color, and I see a lot of this color in the room today. Every one of the bride, the groom, they all were in the wedding. And they took their place, you know, before the, I didn't ever saw a minister, but they took their place to the wedding and began, and the bride began to sing. And when she began to sing, this song came out. Okay, and remember, they're all dressed in crimson. The song came out, and it knocked me down. Me and another girl, she's not here, Lori Larson, we were at the back of the room, and we fell back under the power when that bride began to sing. And the Lord later gave me a scripture for that. It says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Okay, and that scripture, and it says also that it's not of us, it's of him. It's not about us, it's about him. That's why the blood. And this is so cool. I found out that that word means echo. Okay, I mean, no, this is in the dream. I said later after the dream, I said, what was that song? And it was echo. And I realized that really as believers, all we have to do, because the word echo means resonate, to win a world out there is resonate our relationship with the Father and to resonate the identity that we're living in and enjoying. Isn't that something? To resonate that grace flow that is in us by the blood. And I'm going to tell you, all we're meant to do is go out, sow our seeds. We just are sowing them. We just sow. And that's how we expand the kingdom. That's what we were meant to do from the beginning. But I tell you, the religion, all the focus on being in here, all the focus, it has caused us to live a separated life from the world. And that is nothing but religion. Because they're the world. Let me, okay. They need you. They won't talk to me and Byron hardly. Because we're ministers. But they'll talk to you. You say minister and they shut down. Oh. But they'll talk to you. And we were never meant. I mean, I know we're to come out and be separate. But that means this, not to fall into sin. But what it means, we need to go be light. We're to resonate. We're to echo what is in us. And it is a beautiful thing. I'm so excited because I feel like this Billy Graham thing, ah, oh, it's huge. I don't think his anointing is going to anybody but the entire body of Christ. Okay, I think, and I want to give you this scripture, John 3. Oh, the stitch. Okay, let me do that before I end on this. The stitch. I'm sorry. Thank you for, he wanted me to do that. So, this was so cool. This girl came up to me at the women's retreat about the stitch. She says, Becky, this is amazing. She said, I. I just shared this with John and Carol Arnott, and, she, and, this, and they believed it to be the word of the Lord. And uh, this is so cool. She said, when my first baby, I started, I was pregnant, and I started going into labor when I was about four months. And so they stitched my cervix up. And it's, and, you know, I went to full term when I was about 37 weeks. They unstitched. And uh, the baby came forth. It was awesome. She said, but when I got, you know, the baby came forth, great, alive. She said, I, she said, but when my second baby, when I got pregnant, I opted to be stitched up. And so, it, I don't know, maybe at three months, they stitched up her cervix. She got to 37 weeks, no, you know, and they unstitched. The, you know, let the baby come forth. No labor. No labor. She did not go into labor. So, finally, she did. And um, when she was in labor, she labored and labored and labored and labored and labored. It was just, it was like hours. And the baby was getting in distress because of the labor was so long and hard. And finally, someone checked her. One of the medical people checked her, and there was an old stitch in there. And they clipped that old stitch, and bam, 
that baby popped right out. And what she said was this to me. She says, Becky, the stitch that brought forth the first baby, the first revival, could be the very stitch that could cause us to lose the next move of God because we're so back there. And so that's what I'm telling you, folks. God's heart's for the world. He loves us. And, and you know, there he's ready for us to go get them. But we can't go get them. I'm going to tell you, we can't go get them religious. Not our authentic selves. All the church talk. They don't even, when we're talking to people out there, we should really be conscious of what we're saying. Because they, get, they don't get it. And so, go mingle. Go let go resonate. Go echo. Sow the seeds. You might not harvest that seed, but somebody else will come along. And a lot of times, just, you know, Bob Jones, learned, did you learn to love? When he went to heaven, that was the one question. I believe we can love people right into the kingdom. I'm going to tell you, I have the privilege I've had with several neighbors that have come closer to God because I just love them. I just love them. I never said, will you come to church? I've never said anything. And this is, it's amazing. They're all walking with the Lord now. And so this is so good. I'll give you this one. This is so good. So did y'all get that about the stitch? We got to let go of some stuff. Y'all ready to let go of some stuff? It doesn't mean we let go of anything God did or has done, but we, it's so good because he's got a good plan. Here we go. Uh, John three sixteen in the Passion. The entire cosmos is the object of God's affection. And he is not about to abandon his creation. The gift of his son is for humanity to realize their origin in him who mirrors their authentic birth. Begotten not of the flesh, but of the Father. And in this persuasion, the life of the ages echoes within the individual and announces that the days of regret and sense of lostness are over. Is that not amazing? Okay, I'm going to give you one more thought. and I'm sorry. I had a lot to put in. I knew. One thing the Lord, I, one thing God's been changing, the repentance is not penance. Okay? It's to think like God. It is not penance. That is a early church religious thing. They attached penance to it. Okay? It was all repent for the kingdoms at hand. Change the way we think. Let's think like God on this thing. Okay? So one thing that has really hit me is the Jewish, the Hebrew thought that I've looked at something really different from Western thought. We do not realize how much we are affected by Western thought. It has to have an answer of logic for everything. Okay? The Hebrew thought is way more mystical. And God's way more of a mystery. This is the thing I really love. In the Hebrew culture, there is no difference between Hebrew, I mean Hebrew, between secular and sacred. It's not a difference. Everything's God. Everything. Everything. And that's, oh, we got to be in church. That's, that's what's sacred. Oh, we got to be on the mission field. That's the sacred. Let me just tell you, going to the grocery store is sacred. Mama's taking care of their babies are sacred. You know, I'm, I'm going to tell you, we got to get this thing or the kingdom cannot expand. It cannot. How can it expand in here? We will expand, but how will the kingdom expand? In the very original first command, fruitful and multiply. And Jesus was giving us that example when he broke those few loaves. He broke the loaves and the fishes, and look what happened. He fed the fowl. He said, you do it. So, amen. Woo! How do you follow that, right? That's amazing. You got a full gospel this morning. You know, if you and I were sensing that rain that the fathers were listening this morning, washing over our hearts, now you're definitely feeling it. It's for real. You know. And uh, I just want to 
finish with this part because I don't want to keep you guys here too long. In terms of what Becky was saying, which is, you know, sometimes in terms of religion, the way it confines you and boxes you in and you box in God. I remember getting this prophetic word that I was supposed to, you know, there was a generation that I was supposed to minister to and all these things. And in my thought process, I was thinking that it was all supposed to happen in the church. And the one door that the Lord opened was me teaching students. Even then, I still didn't connect it until the second year when the Lord started speaking to me and giving me prophetic words about some of the students that I had. And I started releasing that part. And all of a sudden, there was another wide open door that opened and another field where the Lord was sowing his love and ministering to all these young people. And it's been that since then. Right now, I've been teaching for about 16 years, and I still do the same thing. The Lord gave me prophetic words, and I release it. So just want to encourage you. Don't close up. Where you are, just say, Father, what do you have? And what he has, you just speak that part. And he doesn't have to have any religious language to it. You know, like period. Like you just be yourself. Be your authentic self. You know, and uh, just release that part. So um, the last thing that I wanted to ask was this. Um, I got this name this morning, Andrew. Now, I do know an Andrew in here already. But I'm not talking about him. But is there somebody else here named Andrew? Other than that Andrew that I know? No? Okay. So, but I'll leave that to the Lord. But I'm going to pray and just release the grace so that you guys go with the grace of the Lord. So, Father, this morning we thank you for visiting us through Becky, speaking life into us, washing our hearts by your grace, by your love, and giving us a deep truth. About what your son purchased on that cross. And we humbly and wholeheartedly receive it Lord. For there's nothing more for us to add Father. There's nothing more for us to take away. For we are joined in Christ. For our life is hidden in Christ. Now Father we become your masterpieces. Because you have made us anew in Christ Jesus himself. And we're so thankful for that. So let's have the ministry team come up. If you need further prayer, please avail yourself of that service. And if not, may the grace of God be with you. May his love chase you all the rest of your life. Amen.